Hi, my name is Thea, and you are listening to The Optimal Podcast. This podcast exists because I think it's important that people tell their stories. In this episode, we cover the most important story of one of the most important people in my life, my best friend, Mina Mariama. I met Mina when I was just two years old, and in the span of a day and a pinky promise later, we were officially best friends. Our true blue friendship has never really wavered. We grew up together in the formidable 90s. We did everything together, from collecting Lisa Frank stickers to giving each other mullets. <laughs> it was not a good look for us in case you guys were wondering, and we've deleted all such photo evidence. We ended up spending the entirety of our college years together, and at one point in time, we even lived together. She took me in and welcomed me like family when I felt like I had none. Shortly after college graduation, our circle of friends went our separate ways. I think the reason our group of friends jived so well together was because we were all go-getters. We all put our careers as the top priority in our lives. Mina is half Japanese, and even she admits that there is a stigma surrounding Japanese culture and their perception on work. My dad is Japanese and he's quite traditional. So, like, one of the things he instilled in us growing up is that, you know, after college, work becomes successful. <laughs> you know, that was like those two things that was ingrained in my mind. So that's what she did. She was set on climbing up the corporate ladder in the epicenter of the growing hospitality industry, Dubai. But what happens when you face a crisis so life-changing that it breaks the very foundation of the life you've worked so hard to build? That question is why I'm here on a late Saturday afternoon in a cozy apartment tucked away in Makati. I'm here with my best friend ever since I was two years old to ask her the question that she's had to face every day for the past two years. Right after college, I took a job at a hotel in Alabang. So I was working there for like close to a year and a half. And I always saw myself working abroad. And so in December of 2013, our best friend Kat actually messaged me and she told me that there's an opportunity for a position in Dubai and that I would be perfect for the role. I got accepted and by February, I flew to Dubai. I went to Dubai because I couldn't say no to an opportunity. It was just really great. It was an adjustment, but at the same time, it was also like one of the best experiences I've had professionally and personally as well. Close to four years I was living there, I was really able to grow my career very strongly. So I got promoted twice. In terms of like growth, it was really there. Recognition was there as well. When I first moved, I told myself, okay, well, I'll give myself two years. And then two years passed. I was like, okay, well, I'm enjoying my, my life here. It was very comfortable. I got to travel a lot, you know, was really building my roots in terms of friendships, in terms of my professional network, you know, everything was going well. I really didn't see any end date when I was living there. But then I, our, we had a family tragedy 
um, that happened end of 2017. So, um, sorry, it's a bit difficult for me to kind of say because um, it was something that myself and my family did not expect at all. And that really basically changed my life. It happened on September 2nd. I think it was a weekend. I was in Abu Dhabi at that time. I was I was in a staycation, actually. So it happened around morning time, and my mom sent me a text. I actually wasn't planning to wake up early, but for some reason that morning, I, I woke up. And I think it was close to around 7 a.m., and I received a text from my mom and... Of course, you know, waking up, I was still kind of half awake, half asleep. So my brain was still just kind of, you know, registering what I had read on the text. So basically, she sent me a text saying that, oh, Mina, come home. Molana um, si Daichi, or like Daichi is gone. Like Daichi is the name of my, my brother. So that text, those words, it didn't register at first. And then I read it again. And then... I just started panicking. I called my mom. She wasn't picking up. And I called my sister and she was crying on the phone. And she's like, she was telling me, oh, I'm driving. I can't really talk to you right now. I was trying to call everyone from my family, but no one would respond to any of my calls until like a few minutes later, my sister calls me back and then tells me that my brother had passed. But then no one would tell me the details. So hearing those words that Daishi had passed, it was like, it was so difficult to hear because the reality of it wasn't really clicking in my head. I never cried so loud in my life. It was such a, um, you know, that cry where it's like really from the bottom pit of your stomach. It's like right from the depths of your soul. And I, I, I cried so, so hard. And like, it was just such a painful reality to accept. When the reality hit, I was like, okay, well, I need to figure out what's happening. Uh, so basically, I called my boss right after I was crying on the phone. And my boss at times, he was boarding a plane to go on vacation. And... I called him right away and I said, Leo, I'm sorry, but I need to go home tomorrow. Me trying to, you know, accept this and also like trying to like, oh, I need to go home. That's like, like my main objective is like, I need to go home. I need to be with family. I need to see my brother. I was just so focused on that. And also I was just like in total shock. I have four siblings. I'm the eldest and Daichi was our youngest brother, and he was 19 when he passed away. Daichi was, um, actually saying was is actually still hard for me. She's saying the word was is still hard for me because I always think that he's just probably in Japan, traveling somewhere. I still, um, sorry guys. <laughs> um, 
have some regrets because the time he passed away, I wasn't able to see him or say my goodbyes. But my brother was one of the sweetest guys you'll ever meet. He'll walk into a room and really light up the entire room. He was like one of those people that really was such a kind soul. And he had so many friends. He was one of those people that when you needed someone to talk to, he would genuinely listen to you. And he would, you know, be there as a friend. Regardless of what your background is or who you are, he was just one of those people that was just so authentic and just so kind. He had this like really big smile and if you're sad, for example, he would just go hug you. He was living in Japan that time. He was studying to become a, um, a psychologist. He wanted to become a psychologist because he wanted to help people. And he was actually doing well, you know, he was starting to live his life. He was at the cusp of like becoming a man, you know, he was 19. He was telling me he wants to travel the world like and and help the world. You know, he was really like, um, <laughs> he had so many dreams. The words are difficult for her to say as she is saying them, like her heart is trying hard not to process them, but her mouth is forcing them out. I remember the night she arrived home from Dubai. I have seen Nina cry many times, but it was the first time I ever saw her weep. That night and the days that followed, there were only two words that I remember her repeating over and over. The first word was her brother's name, Daichi, followed by the word, why. The truth about Daichi was his death was tragic. He died in a car accident. He was not the one behind the wheel. Currently, there is an ongoing case, which is why a lot of the details have been disclosed to protect the privacy of the people and families surrounding it. He passed away in a car accident and it was really an unexpected death. Coming to terms with that uh, was really hard for me. I was quite angry because my brother was so young, you know, he was 19, he was just starting his life um, and I was angry at the fact that his life was taken away just like that. So I went back to Dubai with this feeling of numbness and just, again, grief. I wasn't looking forward to work at all. <laughs> because like leaving Manila at that time was really hard for me. Because it was just a critical time for everyone in my family and the most sensitive um, as well because like we had just buried Daichi and I had to go back to Dubai to work. 
I remember <laughs> coming into work. I was quite early that day. I remember just turning on my computer and then waiting for my emails to load. And I was just looking at my inbox, like 500 plus emails unread. <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing here? I was literally just looking at my computer screen for like the first two hours when I went to the office that morning. And when I came back, something definitely had shifted in my mindset. Um, because prior that incident, I was so focused on my career. I remember sitting in, um, in a meeting with all of my bosses and my team members. We were in a revenue meeting, so we were reviewing the pipeline of our, of our sales funnel. And they were talking about, okay, this is our gap for the next few months. Like, how are you going to close it? I remember just sitting there in the boardroom and I was like, yep, um, probably shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> There are other things that I should be focusing on. I came back around end of September. And then I decided to go back to Manila November that year. So I was like going through this internal battle in my head, whether I should stay or whether I should go. But I knew I had to be with my family. That giving up this career was nothing compared to being with my family at that moment. Because, you know, knowing that life is so fragile, um, like I didn't have to be sitting in this boardroom listening Or, you know, talking about how are we going to deal with the sales funnel in the next few months. I didn't want to be there right now. I knew I just had to be with my family. We definitely became much stronger as a family unit. We became closer through the process. We were each other's support during that time. And my relationship with my siblings also became closer. Like before, you know, I, I just saw them as siblings, but now I, I, I see them individually as their own person. I, I'm more friends with them, like, than just being there at the... We're definitely much stronger as a family now than we were before. My dad, for the longest time, couldn't accept his death. Um, I think he was just in complete denial, and, and he didn't show his emotions. And even during the wake, I didn't see him cry. But I know, I know that he does cry in the, at night because there was this one time when we flew to Japan together last year. We went back to the apartment where my brother was living, and a lot of his stuff is still there. He slept in the living room, and then the next morning I saw him. His eyes were like quite puffy, so I think he. He cries sometimes at night. My mom is um, still in grief. She still prays every night for Daichi and for his peace. And this is one of the reasons why I decided to stay here as well, is just to kind of be that support for both of my parents and also for my siblings. And then my siblings, of course, I guess, cope kind of the same way as me. But each of us, We're still in the process of grief. Sometimes, like, even when I read our old messages, like, I still can't grasp that he's physically not here anymore. 
or when a Facebook memory sh- pops up in my feed. It's still hard to accept sometimes, but accepting it was is the hardest step of grief. And I'm still accepting it, actually. Now, it's almost been two years since he's passed. It still hits me. But, like, there are days when I can um, just go through life without crying sometimes. But there are days when it just hits me really strong. In the years that I've known Nina, I've never seen her grow so much and so quickly. I guess if I could come up with a term for it, it would be exponential post-traumatic growth. It was both beautiful and very painful seeing her family come together despite all that had happened. When hit with an immeasurable tragedy, we are forced to question what gives our lives continuity and meaning. From Daichi's death, Mina learned so much about living. But one of the things I realized as a person, though, is that I've, I'm very resilient. And thank you for recognizing that. I learned how to recognize that as well through this journey of mine. You know, dropping my life in Dubai, coming back home, starting all over again, coping with grief, finding yourself in the process. I mean, these are things that I'm still learning and relearning at the same time but that whole process and that whole journey was not an easy one for sure (laughs) i mean the last two years was really hard guys (laughs) i have to say (laughs) you know not just with grief going through a really bad breakup everything you know it was really a culmination of everything but i think i was always grateful I want to carry that light for my brother. I want to be kind to everyone like he was to everyone. To bring light, to be positive, and to make life more meaningful. For the longest time, I've always been so career-oriented. But then I realized I wasn't very life-oriented. I was always such a planner. What would I be doing in the next five years, for example? I've always been such a planner that I would plan every minute of my life. And one of the unlearnings or relearnings that I had to do was really the process of letting go and accepting things as they are. That was probably really hard because I always wanted to be in control of everything. But letting go of that control was really, really hard for me. So I'm in this mindset where life is too short. Just focus on what you have now and make it more meaningful. So before, I remember sometimes when people would talk to me, Like, I would listen, but I wouldn't really listen. But then now, because I'm more in tune with myself, I became more self-aware with the whole process of grief, with the whole process of coming to terms with death. I became more in tune with myself and with others. And I became more genuinely open. Like, I've, I've, um, even the way I hug people is different. Like, prior to my whole journey, I used to hug, like, I used to just, hug someone by patting them on the back and like you like like as a metaphor like holding on to your relationships that you have currently on with dear life i'm like that too when i when i meet someone or when i become friends with someone i make sure that i'm welcoming you with open arms because i don't know maybe one day i won't see you anymore 
to those going through grief, you know, there is hope. And this too shall pass. Actually, you said that to me, Thea. Because hearing those words, these two shall pass, it made me like I knew that it will get better. Even though, like, sometimes you don't have hope or you're losing hope, you know, you know that there will be a better tomorrow. Like, so yeah, thank you for saying those words to me. That was really, that was really helpful. She hugs me goodbye, and it is a hug full of warmth and gratitude. I feel a little bit of Daichi in her hug. I think about Nina's story sometimes when I'm fed up with my life or my relationships. In this day and age, it's easy to look past your family, your friendships, or your spouse to chase after other things. It's easy to take our relationships for granted when really, They are the ones that deserve our gratitude most of all. So maybe hug your boyfriend, your wife, your mom, your dog, your brother, or your sister a little bit tighter today. Maybe tell them what they probably don't know, that they make life worth living. Because in one moment, life as you know it can crumble beneath your feet. Mina found herself thrust in a world that didn't make sense to her at all. She learned how to grow with her grief. But sometimes, I see the light in her eyes dim when she chuckles at something funny, then remembers something similar her brother had said. I see the moments when the crease in her smile quivers because she's imagining how happy her brother would have been if he was still alive. The reality of grief is that it is love. It is endless waves of love with nowhere to go. So it stays and makes an ocean in your heart. So Mina, just in case you need to hear this today, or if five years have passed, or ten years have passed, wherever or whatever year it may be, I want you to know that I feel your grief and I will always be here for you. So I'll spend the night looking into your eyes Because I wanna remember them If I ever fall blind We could jump in the ocean, sink like stones But that's okay with me baby cause I'll be next to your bones thank you for listening to this episode of the optimal podcast this podcast is brought to you by optimal coffee subscribing and leaving a review of the podcast allows people to find it who aren't my best friend my boyfriend and my mom This podcast was produced and written by me, Thea DeLeon. This episode is dedicated to Daichi Mariyama. Thank you to my best friend, Mina Mariyama, for sharing her story. Special thanks to Kelsey Taylor for her beautiful cover of Bones used in this episode. You can find her music on her YouTube channel linked in the show notes. 
You can also find the beats used in this episode linked in the show notes. You can support the show at patreon.com slash optimalpodcast and follow us on Instagram at optimalpodcast. Thank you for listening. Spend the rest of our lives by the old reservoir Looking at satellites, waiting for a shooting star Although my wish has been made and I found you I'll just wish you stayed I love your everything So I'll spend the night looking into your eyes Because I want to remember them If I ever fall blind We can jump in the ocean and sink like stones But that's okay with me, baby Cause I'll be next to your bones